reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people, exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based at RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. This week's guest will be recognised by many of those who frequent the James Connolly Visitor Centre. Jim, or Fleisch McVeigh as he's often known, was a driving force behind the establishment of RSE Connolly, helping bring it from an idea many moons ago to the wonderful centre that it is today. A political ex-prisoner and now a trade union activist, Jim is also an author in his own right. Having gone from having no interest in writing to now having two books published and a third in the process, he's a firm believer that everyone has a talent and indeed that there is a story in everyone to be told. Shaw hug of Fleisch McVeigh. Well, I suppose like a lot of people, I uh, left school at 16 with no particular interest in, in reading or studying or uh, least of all writing anything. But when I became involved in the, the struggle, I suppose more and more I began to uh, reflect upon our long conflict here and I started to read. And like many other young men and women um, in 1983, uh, December 80th, I found myself in the H. Black Salon case with a lot more time on my hands. But I was also sharing a cell and uh, mixing with guys who'd been on the blanket protest. And, and there was a culture of debate and discussion. We were encouraged to read, to take the time to reflect upon our own struggle and what we were fighting for. So I started to read quite a lot then. Also at the time, the, the Republican movement in the jail, uh, its policy was to encourage prisoners to start the avail of the prison education, what was available in there. And most people started with, with an O-level. Most people were doing either O-level Irish, O-level English, or O-level sociology um, as a stepping stone into sort of formal study. And then the Open University came along as well, and we developed a very close working relationship with uh, the tutors who were uh, providing the courses for us in the jail. And we were all encouraged to get involved in that. And over the first 10 years of my time, after the blanket protest, the hunger strike, more and more prisoners got involved in the formal education in the prison. And that's why years later you had so many people getting degrees or master's degrees or indeed PhDs much later. So I was one of the many young prisoners who was just starting to find his feet and starting to read and study and learn. And during the course of that, that sort of environment over those years, we were encouraged by a small number of older, more experienced comrades to just think about writing, to think about writing short stories, writing novels, writing plays, poetry. And I remember, for example, we had uh, we had a number of organised poetry workshops throughout the jail in the late 80s, uh, which was sort of a way of trying to encourage people to find their voice. We had our own internal literary magazine, Glorgaffa. Uh, initially, it was published in the jail just among ourselves, and people were asked if they wanted to contribute poems or short stories, uh, etc. So more and more people just got into it. And I was one of those people that I, I did my O-level Irish, did my O-level sociology, did my A-level sociology then applied for the open university and uh, i think it did 10 years over the course of my two terms in prison with the open university which was which was fantastic it was a great experience i learned a lot from it 
towards the end of my first sentence, I was writing my thesis for my degree, history degree. I had chosen to look at how the news way back had reported the execution of Tom Williams back in, in 1942. I did a study of the newsletter in the Telegraph versus the Irish News. And you'll not be surprised to know, our listeners won't be surprised to know that back then, <laughs> you know, even then, uh, you had two very different narratives about the same event, you know. And of course, in the Telegraph and the newsletter, Williams was a horrible uh, murderer. And uh, he was something completely different in, in the Irish news. That was in 1987, 88. At that time, Tom Williams was still buried within the grounds of Cromwell Prison and the campaign, which had been led by the National Graves Association in Belfast for almost half a century, was still ongoing. And it was, it was about to bear fruit at last. And people will recall, you wouldn't recall, clean up a lot of our people would recall that 1989, they, the campaign was finally successful and the British government agreed to exhume the remains of, of, of Tom Williams and uh, reinter them um, in the family grave. I was in prison at the time, but I, I had the idea of writing a book when I realised that there hadn't been previously a book about the life and times of Tom Williams and the death of young Tom. I sent it to a number of publishers while I was still in prison and Beyond the Pale publications were uh, so kind as to see some value in it and it was published in 1989. Funny enough, I remember getting out to the launch. The launch was in the films. A hot summer day in the middle of, of uh, I think it was 90, possibly 98 and uh, it was the prisoner's day in the films. I was released in parole to attend. And when I walked into the films, and the films was bunged. There was probably about five or 600 people bunged into it. And at that time, of course, God rest their souls, Joe Cal was still alive. Mars McConville was still alive. And uh, they were present at the book launch in the films. Jerry Kelly introduced it. It uh, flew off the shelf. So that was my first experience of writing my first book. And like a lot of other people in the prison had been writing short stories and writing a little bit of poetry. Very bad poetry, I must add. But one thing that I learned was that all of us have talent, have stories within us, whether it's history or whether it's uh, fiction, whether it's poetry, whether it's drama. What, over the course of the years I was in prison, one of the things that I always remember was there was quite a few talented playwrights in the prison. People like Toby McMacken, Mickey Kinsella from Derry were writing plays, funny plays, witty plays, serious plays, crazy plays. But, you know, people, people were experimenting. People were prepared to go out on a limb and open up and believe in themselves and write stuff down and then let people read it or hear it or see it. And you know, that was a, that was an important lesson that it hasn't hasn't left me that there's so much talent that people have. They just have to believe in themselves and, and have a go at it. So that was my first book and my first venture into uh writing like a proper long work of history. And then when I got out of prison, I had always had this interest in Joe McKelvey, who was executed along with Liam Mallows. Um, on the 8th of December 1922 during the, the height of the Civil War. I started doing the research on that and a couple of years ago and my second book came out called Goodbye Dearest Heart which is a line from Joe McKelvey's last letter to his mother a few hours before he was executed in Mountjoy in 1922. Again, I don't know why I'm attracted to the story of executions. 
you know, that's maybe it's a little bit macabre, but the drama and the pathos of that story. And of course, I grew up as a Republican knowing and having a great deal of admiration for McKelvey and Mellows in particular. I would consider myself to be a, a left Republican, a socialist Republican, and I've always admired Connolly and Liam Mellows. But I was always interested as to why McKelvey, who was one of the most senior RA men of that period, close friend and confidant of Liam Mellows, sure to sell Liam Mellows, was the OC of the 3rd Northern Division was the deputy chief of staff of the IRA, the anti-treaty IRA, during the, the Civil War, was the OC of the prisoners in Mountjoy after they were captured in the four courts, and indeed was the officer in charge of the IRA in the four courts during the bombardment. So here was a young guy who was at the very top of the IRA, but unlike Mallows or Michael Collins or Tom Barry, there had never really been anything written about him. And I thought that was unfair, and I didn't understand why that was the case, because he was a very significant figure. So I wrote a book about Joe just to try and explore who he was and what his role was. One of the things that I, that I found intriguing about Joe from a study was that he also was a left Republican that uh, he had grown up in, in Belfast as a teenager uh, and would have known the Connolly family who lived at Glenelina Terrace he was the OC of the James Connolly Slough uh, the, the Fianna in Belfast after Connolly was actually in 1916. He was a close friend and confidant of Mallows from an early point. And indeed, many Republicans in Belfast at that time were heavily influenced by people like Markovitz, Connolly, the Connolly daughters. Um, so I was really pleased to find that McKelvey was a left Republican, a socialist Republican. He wasn't a writer, which is probably another reason why he wasn't uh, he wasn't really recognised for the contribution he made. So that's my second book. I'm currently working on a on my first novel. It's a crime thriller. I'm hoping to have it published this year. It's a thriller based in and around this whole issue of the Catholic mother and baby homes across Ireland, which is very timely given the disgraceful commission report to come out in the South and the recent report to come out here in the North in relation to how young unmarried women were treated and how children were effectively stolen from them and, and uh, trafficked into adoption throughout this country and abroad, particularly in the US. So it's a it's a thriller, it's a work of fiction uh, that deals with that, the, the legacy of all that. Um, and it's mostly set in Boston, the US, dealing with a, a young woman who has been taken from her mother, sent for adoption to the US, grows up, but doesn't know who she, she really is. It's exploring all that. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. I'm hoping that I get it published. Someone makes it into a movie. Merle Streep and Liam Neeson will play the two main parts in it. And I will I will be seeing you all on the red carpet in Hollywood in a couple of years' time. That's the plan. <laughs> but, but it's a... It is a novel, but it's a serious piece of work insofar as it's, of course, it's dealing with probably the biggest issue of the day, which is this scandal of how unmarried women were treated the length and breadth of asylum by the Catholic Church and by the state. I think it may be the first time that a novel has dealt with the issue. There's been documentaries that have been, uh, whether it's history books or documentary films made about it, but I don't think there's actually been, believe it or not, a single novel written yet about those stories. This will be a first in that respect, so... That's where I'm at. And uh, I, I try to read as much as I can. 
I'm a big fan from my days in prison of, of fantasy novels, The Lord of the Rings. We were reading The Lord of the Rings when, when nobody else out, out here knew about them. The Lord of the Rings had been carried in full on, I think it was BBC Radio 4. We used to listen to the book at bedtime on BBC Radio 4. Anyone who was in McGabry or Armagh or McGilligan and at night time, one of the favourite things that many of us did was listen to the book at bedtime in Radio 4. The BBC, this is well many, many decades before the films were made, of course, by Peter Jackson, but the BBC carried the audiobook over about 10 weeks and one of the lads recorded it all. Then what happened was someone had a great idea of putting it all on, I think it was about 10 tapes, making a beautiful little box for them, and including... Three, the three books and giving them out as gifts to family and friends um, and I've still got my son uh, has one of them in the house a lovely little box that, that I made with the ten tips and the three books that's my journey I'd just like to say that I'm a really a big believer that Republicans working class people historically we don't we don't write the history of this country or of the world uh, working class people are, are usually written out of history I think it's so important that ordinary people like us find our voice have a go at it write something write a story write a play think big you know and just have a go at it and when the, when Arnold Sukanila was set up it's it, it's not an accident that we have a, a wonderful James Connolly librarian that we have supported the publication with two publications to date Daniel Jack's book Citizen Soldier about um, Seamus Robinson and the War of Independence and uh, one of Connolly's works The Reconquest of Ireland but we want to support in a practical way emerging writers from within our community working class voices and give them an opportunity to tell their stories um, so don't be afraid to contact us folks uh, if, you, if someone is interested give us a shout and let us have a look at what you've written and uh, we'd, we'd like to over the coming decade take the opportunity to publish works of history and politics economics, etc., as a way of honouring James Connolly and, and, and keeping his legacy alive.